Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. I'm Himra Chenault, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Lanta Carroll, interim pastor of Families in Formation. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations. Because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Avenue, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit. Where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds, and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Good morning. I'm so happy to be with you all this morning at Park Avenue Baptist Church. My name is Darcy Jarrett, and I'm one of the pastors here a role that I've just recently come into, which is so exciting, having been the artist in residence for several years. I'm just so grateful to be with you as we begin this new sermon series, God, Sex, Intimacy. This sermon series is gonna look at the many different ways we as Christians have been taught about God, about sex, and about intimacy the ways that so many of us have been given a strict moral code, a moral code that was so gendered in its approach, almost more like socialization or how to behave in the role of a man or a woman, nothing in between. Not only is it heteronormative, it leaves no room for variation. It's leaving out so many people for those of us who have found ourselves on the margins of Christianity due to our sexual orientation, our intersectional identities, our gender, our race, our sexuality. It is us who have been pushed to the outside and affected perhaps most by these moral codes, these purity codes. In this sermon series, we're going to look at these purity codes found in the ancient texts as well as the modern purity movement. We're going to look at some of the ways that sin language has been wielded against us, correlated not just with sexuality of any kind, but with intimacy of the various kinds that we find. We will talk about the ways that our bodies our very bodies have been a source of shame. Shame about this vessel of the divine, this soul, this very breath of God, this small part of God inhabits us all, yet we feel shame about this body. Why? Why, when we follow a God who became incarnate, the very existence of Christianity is based in inextricable inextricably bound up with the embodiment of God in Jesus. So why do we feel so much shame about our bodies? It is this difficult and loaded topic that I want to investigate today. I want to talk about shame. (laughs) Rather, 
I have a deep understanding about the ways in which I need to talk about shame. And I don't think I'm alone in this. Shame has been defined as an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced or done or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. That's shame. So let's do it. Let's get into it. Sunday morning shame special. But in all seriousness, I want to remind everyone that if something in what you hear today rings true, brings up some of your own stuff, your, your own baggage, then you're in the right place. Together in this brave space, we can look at it. Also, we have trained pastoral counselors and a licensed therapist on staff, reach out to us. We're on this journey together. I've heard it said that shame perishes in the light of investigation. Shame will shrivel up and die when aired in the open. So let's investigate together shame, knowing that this is a brave space to confront some of those lies that we have been believing about ourselves and our bodies for too long. As we begin this six-week journey of God, sex, intimacy, I thought it best to start, well, at the beginning. I looked at the Genesis story to give some insight into shame. This could be the allegory that shows us, in a poetic way, the introduction of shame into the human experience. I looked at the Genesis story to get insight into shame. Because if we're honest, so much of our shame about our bodies comes from what we've been taught in church or what the Christian hegemon has implanted in our minds and our bodies about sensuality, about sexuality, about intimacy, about sin. It starts with this story. So let's walk through the text together and see what bubbles up. Verse 1, the snake was the most intelligent of all wild animals that the Lord God had made. The snake said to the woman, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? Let's pause. I want to say it might seem obvious to point out, but this is a story where animals speak out loud and God has an earthly body. So if there's a question, we can understand and know that this story is a fable because animals are talking. That's always a sure sign. I don't say this to belittle the crea- this creation narrative, but rather to say stories are important. Fables are meant to illustrate important lessons. They teach us something. Knowing the genre of a story is important. It directs us toward what we need to learn, what we can learn by looking at a story. Verse two, the woman said to the snake, you may eat the fruit of the the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, don't eat from it, don't touch it, or you will die. (laughs) Many a sermon at this point, I've heard point out that this moment in the story, this exaggeration from Eve is the beginning of her downfall. I want to acknowledge that this text has fueled so much misogyny, genderism, sexism, patriarchy, and everything that comes with that. Early church theologians actually claimed that Eve robbed humans of 
all of humanity, all of humankind, of the image of God with this act. The image of God was taken from all people because of the allegorical actions of one person who happened to have a female body. To this, I object completely. I believe deeply in the incarnation of God's spirit within us all. God dwells in you and you and you and me. We see the indwelling of the spirit of God in the story of Genesis just one chapter before when God breathed God's spirit into the Adam character, making Adam come to life. The spirit of God could never and has never left us. This is a whole other sermon that I obviously feel strongly about. Let's get back to the text. Verse 4, the snake said to the woman, you won't die. God knows that on the day that you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The snake tempts Eve with this clarity of mind and the chance to be like God, knowing good from evil. And at this point, Eve desires something she wanted to be something other than what she was. Maybe this is the first time in this story, this origin story of humans, that they desire something that they don't have. The snake plants this idea in Eve's mind. You will see clearly. You will be like God, pointing out that maybe she doesn't see clearly right now. <laughs> what would happen if the, they had never been directed the, to focus on this forbidden tree. What would happen? What kind of story would it be like, this origin story? Well, frankly, it, it wouldn't be a good story. <laughs> Every good story has to have an arc and has to have a problem and a conflict. So here we are at the problem and the conflict. And like the story we read in the children's moment called Don't Push the Button, don't push the button, Eve. We're at that moment. Our natural inclination is to push the button. Everyone wants to push the button. Our human nature says, eat that apple. Yet, for so long, we've tried to say, oh, well, this is where it went wrong. Eve ate the apple. Desire, implanted by the snake, is actually our innate desire. It's our nature that leaves us often so unsatisfied Eve is just like us. Verse 6, the woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The NRSV translates this line as, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, then they ate it. Here we see again this theme of desire. Their desire to be wise is what ultimately made them eat. A common thread through mystical writings is in fact that all desire is ultimately a desire for God. Eve desires. She is desirous. She wants to be like God. Maybe Maybe desire isn't such a bad thing. To be desire, to have desire, and to never be fulfilled in this desire. I've heard this, this idea of, of never being fully satisfied in our desire as 
actually pointing to the existence of the divine. This desire is in fact a desire for God. Maybe our unfulfilled desire is what points us to the infinite, what makes us seek the eschaton, the not yet, the mystery, the great beyond. This is a way of envisioning and seeing and knowing the everlasting to be there. The tree was to be desired. Eve desires, despite being in the presence of God, despite having all she could imagine that she would ever need, Eve desires to be like God. This is still a desire for God. Maybe it is our natural desire, one that isn't even fulfilled in close contact with the divine. The desire remains. Let us know that there is something beyond because this desire springs up in us naturally. Desire for love, for tenderness, for safety, for security, for sex, for intimacy, for belonging. These desires are actually desires for the fulfillment that we will find with God. Yet they are most often never completely satisfied. They are indicators, placeholders for this great beyond, somewhere inaccessible to us. I've heard it described as forward-facing nostalgia, this yearning in our hearts. Eve is experiencing what we all experience, desire. But then, immediately after they eat, verse 7, they both saw clearly and knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. It's so interesting to me. And this point wasn't clear until I read it again and again and in community that I noticed Adam and Eve's first response isn't, oh no, we disobeyed God. It isn't, oh no, I feel guilty. I did what I wasn't supposed to do. I pushed the button. I ate the apple. No, it's different. Their first response is a recognition of their own nakedness. This is why I think this is the first instance of shame, the biblical introduction to shame. They do not feel guilty for what they have done. They feel ashamed about their bodies. They realize that they are naked. They eat the fruit, the knowledge of good and evil, and suddenly recognize something about themselves that was always true, but before, they were not afraid to be naked. They were not afraid to be fully seen and known. Now they have shame. It's about intimacy. God created them, breathed life into them, built them for each other. God knew every part of them and wants and continues to want to be in relationship with them. This type of intimacy is unparalleled. Yet shame seeks in and tells them to be ashamed of their nakedness. Shame blocks them from intimacy with God. Back to the text, verse 8. During the day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? They are so afraid they hide from God physically. They hide. Shame. An intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging, unworthy of connection. 
God is in the garden seeking the connection. Where are you, my children, my beloveds? Where are you? The intimacy of being known and allowing themselves to be seen is broken. The irony that what was originally a desire, a desire for God, could end up rupturing intimacy with God is so profound. Shame keeps them from being able to stand with their God, their creator, their protector. That sounds so familiar. That resonates with my own experience. I've spent so much time trying to stand with God and not be ashamed. And not just for being queer, not just for being an addict, not just for being trans, not just for being non-binary, but because I am afraid of being known. Still, God calls, where are you, my children? Verse 10, the man replied, I heard your sound in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Who told you you were naked? This is the question I want us all to ask today. Who told you you were naked? Who told you you weren't enough? Who told you you were not thin enough, not tall enough, not masculine enough, not feminine enough, not funny enough, not pretty enough, not rich enough, not white enough, not smart enough, not talented enough, not good enough? The list is endless. Who told you you were naked? Who told you to question God's miraculous work in you? Who? Was it the snake? Was it the enemy? Was it the accuser? Was it the principalities of power and industry telling you you should look a certain way? The voice of shame in our heads is the voice of the adversary. Shame seeks to darken that creative spirit of God that exists within us all. God breathed God's spirit into us imparting a part of God's divine self within each and every one of us, yet shame seeks to stamp out that flame within. Let us not allow shame to put a barrel over our light to cover what is innately ours. The image of God remains within. Stop listening to the voice of the snake and let this voice be louder just for this moment. You are made in the image of God. You are perfect. You are enough. The person that I am right now is enough. This is emotional for me because of my own body dysmorphia, my own aspirations of how I present, my gender. I am not what I want to be. I am seeking affirming surgery, but still God loves me as I am. The person that you are right now is enough. I'm so emphatic with this message because I see God so clearly in you. One time, and this is a mystic experience for me, I was on the bus riding from Decatur back to where I lived, and I had this experience. I was suddenly struck so strongly by how God loved everyone, everyone on that bus, everyone in the world, but I was looking around at these people, at everyone, and just realizing that we didn't know how much God loved us. 
like how a grandmother looks at her grandchild, the way I look at my son now while he's not looking. I started crying on the bus. I'm sure it looked a little bizarre, but I was just so overwhelmed emotionally. I was both joyful and deeply sad in that moment because I realized that so many of us don't know how much we are loved and cherished. Shame blocks us from knowing that love of being seen standing before our God without shame. But your community loves and sees you as you are today, not your ideal self, not the aspirational person that you might have convinced yourself that you need to be. No, you as you are right now is completely loved. Don't let shame scare you and make you hide yourself. You are loved. God loves and seeks intimacy with you just as you are right now. It is the community's job, it is the church's job to help silence the accuser in each other, to chip away at the shame that has gone unchallenged in our minds, to tell each other we are enough, to show the love that God has for each of us, to give freely to each other, to cry and become overwhelmed with God's miraculous work in you, just you. The church has done this badly. So many people have been harmed and left out and silenced and forgotten. Park Ave seeks to be a different place, a brave space where we come and voices that are marginalized are uplifted. We can do this together. Let's act differently. Let's love each other with a radical acceptance that squelches shame and ignites our flames again within. May God make it so. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into the world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God who created you loves you and empowers you. To love boldly. Live inclusively. And to serve creatively. Amen. Amen.